when you were here before Couldn't look you in the eye You're just like an angel Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so fucking special But I'm a creep Today we're going to be talking about probably the most famous trailer, I would say, of like the last decade. Um, you know, it, it set up a few tropes that I think people kind of copy these days, <laughs> and we could talk about that. Um, it, it, you know, it's basically the, the main trailer that, that kind of played um, in the cinema. I've already talked about the teaser trailer, which was just a series of Facebook updates with the dialogue from the film. Um, and I will talk about with uh, one of my other guests, the international trailer, which used Kanye West's power uh, as the uh, as the scoring. Um, but we're going to be talking about what I guess most people would know as the creep trailer. Hmm. Uh, and joining me to talk about today is Alex Gradette. Hello, Alex. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. Now, uh, I think this trailer is kind of interesting because, um, you know, like I said, it has this trope that has kind of become famous where you have you take a popular song you kind of slow it down, you play it on piano, and then you have, like, you know, a young girl singing it in a kind of creepy manner. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of been... I mean, there was, a, there was like, an action film that was... Uh, was it San Andreas? The, the, the rock one? Um, <laughs> they had, like, a slowed-down version of California Dreaming for San Andreas. Oh, and it, that's right. And it was kind of like... Yeah, and it was kind of like a ridiculous kind of... I mean, I saw San Andreas, and that actually played over the end credits. Um, this version of Creep doesn't play anywhere within the, the social network, so it's just being used for the trailer. I, I know, I think this is like a really... It's kind of like... The idea of what this film would be was always kind of not clear to most people. Like, how do you make a film out of Facebook? Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, because I can remember something like uh, six or eight months prior to when the movie came out, maybe earlier even, um, I can remember there being sort of a big deal like Aaron Sorkin's getting on Facebook, but not so fans can interact with him because he's doing research for a movie about Facebook. And I think everybody was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> um, and that was, to my recollection, that was that was the mood, the, the sort of prevailing mood about the movie pretty much until this trailer dropped. And that was... The, for me anyway, and I think for a lot of people, uh, I remember seeing it on the front end of Inception and uh, on opening weekend. So very amped and engaged audience. And I remember a whole lot of people going, oh, oh, this is this is not going to be this might not be dumb. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like the trailer, obviously, it starts off, it brings into focus like a picture and you can see the pixels and. And then it starts mm -hmm. showing you... Oh, it's a lovely trailer. Yeah, and it starts showing you, like, the different kind of like, pictures, people at celebrations, and you see statuses, and you see the kind of, like, the, the old Facebook thing of, like, what are you thinking, you know, kind of there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and eventually, <laughs> it kind of, like, halfway through, it finally brings Mark Zuckerberg's face as you see it on the posters, like, that picture that, you know, everyone kind of knows of, like, mm -hmm. Jesse Eisenberg's face. Um, and then it starts to give you actual footage from the film, something which hadn't been on the teaser trailer. To your point about how a lot of trailers took the spooky slowdown trope for music, I, I also want to point out that the print ad for this, that that uh, Jesse Eisenberg face, became a meme for like, like, it felt like for a year and a half, that was every every movie poster was a close-up on a face with the chin sort of tucked down and the forehead very prominent, a lot of menace to it. But, like, that was Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And um, 
Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but Anthony Hopkins plays a uh, plays an exorcist in it or something, and it's that it's him making that face, but with like a cruciform yeah. cutout around uh, him, so it looks like that's called the right. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's what it called. I, I I have fittingly enough in my Facebook account. I had for a while a gallery called "We Are the Same Movie Poster," yeah, and it was it began with social network and continued through all of those. And then, I don't know, like with all Facebook things, I got bored. Yeah, the the, 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 the big text over a face just became like a became like a trope in itself, didn't it? Uh, almost like the, yeah, which, the how comedy movies always have big red, big red letters. Like every comedy film is always yes, big red bold letters. Like, absolutely. Um, yeah, so... And I theorized for, for a little while, I had a theory that a lot of that was to do with you know, we're talking about 2010, 2011, where suddenly for the first time you've got a lot of people receiving their marketing on handheld devices, on iPads or iPhones. Yeah. And so instead, some sweeping Vista is going to look terrible on a circa 2010 uh, iPhone. So instead, just a great big face, a real simple title, plus it, you know, pl- plus it makes you think about other maybe more successful movies at the same time. So Yeah. Also, it like... it. I mean, it's a pity that the whole kind of like um, filter thing wasn't a thing back then, because I can imagine someone would have done a Facebook style poster filter thing and people would have been doing that on their profiles and put in, you know, like just any text over your own face. Um, But yeah, Yeah. the the text on the poster obviously is you don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies, Um, which even when that post. Yeah, which was brilliant. Yeah, which even when that poster went up. It was inaccurate. <laughs> I think Facebook was actually mm-hmm. up to something like 650 million by the time the film came out. So even, sure, even that post sure. was but, inaccurate. But, but it's a period piece, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, so, and I think it's interesting because obviously in the film, you only ever see them celebrate getting to 1 million. Um, like, oh, that's as right. a big, like, you know, that's a big event. Uh, earlier mm. in the film, obviously, they get to like 1,000, 10,000, and they kind of celebrate it a little bit. But like mm. the 1 million, like the first 1 million is like the really big event. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. and th- once we get like bits of the film, you then have like the voiceover and you have the, you know, like the, the, the 2200, 22,000 hits, um, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. this idea is worth billions, you know, like, and, and, and Larry Summers being like millions. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah. and then of course the whole, you know, you know, what the, what's cool is not a million dollars, it's a billion dollars. And, you know, all that kind mm-hmm. of build up. And then eventually the, you know, let's sue him in federal court. <laughs> like, all, all that kind of yeah. build up. Which, which had a really cool effect that is, I think, common for blockbusters, but a little rare among dramas like this, which it had the impact that by the time you saw the movie, these lines were already kind of iconic. Yeah. Uh, which you don't, you don't see that in dramas a whole ton of the time. I mean, maybe, well, fittingly enough, something like You Can't Handle the Truth was already a catchphrase, <laughs> like, from the trailer yeah. before the movie came out. Uh, but, but, like, to have these lines... Pop, these lines of dialogue pop out so much uh, just by, by like opening weekend of an October drama that was kind of unheard of. Yeah, particularly the whole, you know, if you'd have invented Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Yeah. Like just the the way that Jesse Eisenberg delivers that line and like kind of the, the bitterness that, uh, you know, that, that kind of comes from the Winklevoss twins and Divya Narendra about everything. Yeah. Like the, it just condenses all of like the idea of what is this film going to be about? Like the film isn't about the creation of Facebook. It's about the fallout, um, you know, and and particularly, of course, 
the delivery of the the mark like the that just the way that Andrew Garfield yeah. delivers the mark like the kind of that shout yeah. is like so like that's not even like a you know it's like an iconic line but it's just literally him saying the name and the way he opens those doors and that whole thing is put together in the trailer so well where it's like you know you want you thinking to Absolutely. yourself what is going on there like what 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 did they do that like causes this kind of outpouring of anger from from Andrew Garfield for, over Facebook for crying out loud uh, it was it, it it was very strange that that there we were presented with this notion that this thing that even at that point we were already sort of more addicted to than we ought to have been that it could actually be the crux of something thrilling, uh, which I don't think is which I don't think is automatic. I think it takes hard work from some really gifted technicians. Um, but uh, but they really like they I've I've gone I've gone round and round with this movie in the last almost 10 years where it's like on the one hand I I went through a period of watching it and being like you know one day it's going to be it's going to look real ridiculous there was ever a time we took Facebook this seriously and then there are other times where I'm like wow if you're if you're a good dramatist and a good director who works with a great DP and great editors and great technicians all up and down the line you can actually if you if you put your shoulder into it, you can actually make anything thrilling. I well, yeah, this and this is something that you know, obviously, I'm you know, so I think Aaron Sorkin these days kind of divides people a bit more than he did in 2010. Um, you know, whereas I think he yeah. was kind of accepted in 2010 that he was like a re- I mean, he won the Oscar for the screenplay for this thing, so <laughs> so well, yeah, but but that's not that's not the sort of polarity we're talking about. I, no, I yeah, I'm a I I I have historically been a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. And I will be the first to admit that this was the last thing of his that I really enjoyed. I there have been some some good bits here and there since then, but like this this felt like really threading the needle. Like, was he going to be able to plausibly put across something that wasn't fifty year old white dudes? And then it turns out you can make teenagers sound like fifty year old white <laughs> dudes and still have it be plausible. This one he really knocked out of the park, and I feel like has not really done that again since. I mean, I, have you seen Molly's Game? Because I have, and that's a I I I liked a lot about it. Yeah, I had I took issue with quite a lot of it. And um, I also was not especially struck with his prowess as a director, uh, which, granted, is not necessarily what we're talking about right here. But I I almost feel like my thing about Aaron Sorkin is this, is that the stuff that uh, the stuff that he's most beloved for, I feel like he just rolls out of bed and just has that, like just has this river of of lines. Like if you were if you were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook, like you said, Um, you know, or these whole monologues and he can just dip a bucket in there and pour it on the page. I don't mean to say that it's um, not effortful, uh, but um, but it's always felt it's always felt very graceful coming out of him. And I think now the problem is now that we sort of take that that apparent ease for granted. Now he's being graded on a scale that movies in this that 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 entertainment in this end of this decade of this century is being evaluated against and it's like oh he really does like it when women like professional women embarrass themselves in front of men and men kind of save the day and um you know suddenly it these things that seemed innocuous a generation ago really are not um and have always sort of been there and i think the problem then becomes trying to write now as he wrote then is not really playing as well as it could yeah i mean i was just thinking about the the opening kind of like five minutes of molly's game where she's talking about the the skiing thing that she does 
and yeah. kind of that explanation is like kind of peak Sorkin of like of like he's ex- oh you know, the, the technicalities and and you know how the slopes mm. work and the you know the little things that have been put on the slope and, and it covers it covers sports and medicine and, yeah. and all you know all of his <laughs> fascinations in one really jam packed monologue and it feels like that could have been his pitch to the studio yeah and it also feels like he just wake wakes up one morning and just. And there it is. It's also it finishes with with um, with Molly saying, "And why am I telling you about this?" And you almost want to say, "Because Aaron Sorkin likes writing stuff like this for people to say." That's the only <laughs> reason you're telling me this. Like it has nothing to do with how you started a poker night. Like you know, other than yeah. tangentially related to the fact that you wanted to go to school but you couldn't because of you know injury in the Olympics or whatever. Like it's it's only tangentially related to the whole kind of premise of the film, but it it works as like a, a nice yeah, little kind of short story of like this is how she broke her leg basically. And it's it's meant to to get you on her wavelength in terms of her intensity and her drive, and it works for all that. And most of the movie works for all that, which makes it all the more mystifying when she gets a visit from her magical boomer dad <laughs> to explain to her all of her shortcomings and what she needs to get over to. And, and I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I did not want to walk away from an Aaron Sorkin movie with Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba feeling that way about it. But that Kevin Costner scene, man, I kept waiting for her to look over and be like, but he was just here. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, yeah, that is probably the weakest thing in the entire of that film. But I mean, I still really love that film just mostly because of, um, this, I mean, I think Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba really need to do some kind of like buddy cop film because I think they really worked oh, well together. Sure. You know, and all the st- I loved all the stuff mm-hmm. with his daughter as well. When, when like you know the kind of interactions between the two of them and like I don't know just the way that oh, they right. gradually revealed that you know it was his daughter that that got him attracted to this case and interested in this case and right you know there's there's little moments like that that I really enjoyed in that film. But I think yeah like he does have a tendency to then bring it. I mean, fortunately there's like no one in this film that he can bring in to be like the person who sits down with, with Mark Zuckerberg and goes, do you know what you need to do, Mark? Other than Rashida Jones kind of going like, just write him a check. Like, yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's yeah. going to cost you next to nothing. Just write him a check. They'll go away. That's it. The end of this the whole thing. Like you don't have to sit here and be humiliated all day in lawsuits. You can just pay them pay them and they go away you know like that that seems to be the only mm-hmm. advice that gets offered to him at the end of the film i think what's what what also makes this one a little bit of an outlier for aaron sorkin uh with the exception of maybe something like molly's game or something early in his career like malice where he was for hire um but i feel like so much of his stuff is about hardworking professionals trying to do their best ideally to make the world a better place even if that's just the world of sports entertainment or sports reporting or something and that's fine but like this one and i feel like it's what makes it a perfect david fincher vehicle is about people trying very hard to not be very good people yeah <laughs> i mean it, it's it, because eduardo saverin was the only person i think who kind of cooperated with ben mesrick on writing the book he's the mm-hmm. one who comes off as the voice of reason in every scene and and comes off as like the, yeah. you know the person who was trying to stop them from going too far, and you know didn't want them to do face mash, didn't want them to do you know this or like he's the one who seems like the reasonable person, and then Mark Zuckerberg dilutes his shares down to nothing, and he seems like the yeah. world's biggest oh, asshole. God. But I you know from what I've read, you know Eduardo Saverin is pretty much as however you think of Mark Zuckerberg, Eduardo Saverin isn't an angel. Yeah, there's 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 no one occupying this 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 universe that you would have any expectation of as actually being a decent person but either certainly not after the movie but i mean going into it if you thought oh this this was 
this is going to be about a battle between nice people. Um, I mean, I think the trailer, to bring it back around again, sort of disabuses you of that notion right off the bat. I mean, every face you see is plotting, scheming. Uh, you've got um, you've got Brenda Song burning something in a trash can. You've got um, you've got uh, Rooney Mara just looking broken, uh, you know, with tears in her eyes, and it's just. They do a really good job of impressing upon you this is this is going to be about the bloodshed that happened behind the curtain of what lets you and your aunt stay in touch. Well, let's talk a little bit about the music because I think that is obviously the thing that really sold the trailer was this, you know, this version of Creep. Um, now, after hearing, like, obviously after hearing this version of Creep, I'm sure as I did everybody, uh, you know, I went onto YouTube and I was like, Creep. <laughs> um, social oh, Network. Oh, you and me both. Yeah, and I was like, Creep Social Network trailer and... You know, straight away it was like, oh, that this is who it is, and you know, it's this, uh, it's this, this, this choir that um, uh, Scala and Kolekni, I think it might be how you say their name. Um, yeah, and and basically they did like a series of covers of other like other songs, um, and it just happened that the the creep one was the one that was kind of picked up. Um, you know, there was like a whole album where they did covers in this, in this particular style. I, yeah, I, I downloaded that album, uh, immediately after seeing this trailer. Cause I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. And then I, I love the use of the song in the trailer. I never made it all the way through the album because I found them to be kind of a one trick pony. Uh, they didn't really bring a lot of interpretation to their covers beyond just making them unnerving. And not all of the songs they chose really... I remember in particular listening to their cover of Under the Bridge, which was very straightforward and just their very clean, very crisp, very mournful sound just didn't have the energy to carry a song like that. And I was just like, I, I think I get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, Every Breath You Take is already a song about, you know, someone being a creep. And that kind of, that kind yeah. of fits their aesthetic really well. Um, and I think also mm -hmm. there was, um, they did, I mean, I don't know if anyone even remembers the group Puddler Mud, um, but they did a cover mm -hmm. of, um, she hates me and, um, oh my God, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. oh. I, I mean, it kind it kind of works because it like, it's this kind of very kind of like emo kind of miserable kind of song anyway. And so they kind of just take it to, you know, they take it to the next level in t in terms of like making it kind of, uh, miserable. And they did obviously smells like teen spirit as well, because of course they did. Uh, but yeah, because you have to. Yeah, and I think really only really every breath you take and smells like Teen Spirit really fit. Uh, they also did like Life on Mars. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other songs. Teenage Dirtbag by <laughs> by Wheatus. Mm -hmm. um, Can't get you out my head by Kylie Minogue. And those didn't. I mean, they didn't work <laughs> as well as I feel like their version of Every Breath You Take probably could be on a trailer that now. Like someone could probably put that to a trailer about you know some guy standing behind yeah. some bushes with a camera or you know like it, it feels like it would fit you know on a trailer. The other ones I think feel more like novelty. But yeah, it just depends on how much you enjoy the sound of you know a female choir. And like you say they've got like a nice clean yeah. sound they've got like nice arrangements i think they did oh there's also like with or without you by you too they did which i thought was quite was like a successful of course they did yeah um <laughs> they, they stuck to and the other thing the other thing to keep in mind because i'm really not trying to dismiss their uh stock and trade but like this is this is 2010 i'm listening to this so we are like right in the middle like we're just past season one of glee yeah which has been to my way of thinking a show of sort of uninterpretive uninspired covers to begin with so i was already like halfway out the door 
before happening upon the the social network trailer uh so it's not really it's not really their fault it was the ears i was bringing to it i wish i could say you know what maybe i'll revisit it i'm not gonna do (laughs) well i would say it it, it, like their version of exit music for a film as well which you know another radiohead song uh i think that that kind of works because obviously once you get to the end of that song and it kind of you know the climax of it you know they gradually kind of build to it It, it, because it's gone somewhere yeah it kind of works um you know and i would also say as well there's a song by foo fighters which um turned up in the x-files movie the first one that came out in like 1998 called walking after you oh is it walking after you i love that yeah and their version of that is quite enjoyable as well but again you know obviously your mileage may vary on this in terms of how much you can take of (laughs) of their interpretation of it you know and i think Mm -hmm. also a perfect day works as well but uh, the thing is the BBC did a version of Perfect Day where they had like a number of different artists cover it and so yeah. like it I don't know it, it feels like it's less interesting than that like that that had like a number of different artists and they had different voices and uh, you know that that was kind of an interesting cover but you know their version feels a bit more kind mm-hmm. of flat compared to that but still you know you can you can kind of imagine the climax of Perfect Day working with with their voices but yeah i think creep is probably like their most successful kind of interpretation just because you know um hearing a a, a choir of women singing you're so fucking special Mm -hmm. (laughs) i wish i was special like Mm -hmm. just the way they deliver those lines as well the way they sing it i think it's 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 really well arranged um you know but uh agree like uh, i i think like you say yeah this was just as glee was basically covering every single song known to man and I think people did kind of tire a little bit of like, you know, people kind of covering. So- I mean, covering songs and just being like slowing them down or changing them in a way where it's like meant to be unexpected. But it just ends up feeling a bit rote. And you're like, OK, I, I get it. You're, you're doing what everyone else is doing with these types of songs. Like you're not really. Exactly. You know, exactly. Even if they were the originators, it does feel like they weren't kind of, you know. Other people weren't adding that much. And I mean, they've been going since like the early 2000s, like since 2002. And they still mm. they even put an album out in 2016. So they're still going. But, you know, I, I, I feel like Creep was, you know, it's just one of those songs that just kind of hit. And people were, like whoever, was, you know, the people that made the trailer, which is the mm-hmm. Mark Woolen and Associates, um, who have pretty mm-hmm. much made every single great trailer that you can think of. Um, I think <laughs> they really picked the right song for that particular trailer. And it's interesting as well, because like mm-hmm. the, the teaser trailer didn't have any music. It was just the dialogue with the kind of Facebook statuses quickly appearing. Mm -hmm. And then the international trailer had power by Kanye West, uh, which intercuts the words, Mm -hmm. no one man should have all this power with Mark Zuckerberg appearing on screen. (laughs) So they kind Mm -hmm. of cut that together really well as well. But yeah, like uh, this trailer, you know, it just ended up becoming so iconic that like, you know, people kind of (laughs) really kind of ended up kind of Mm -hmm. aping it so much. And to the point where you have stuff like San Andreas doing like a slowed down version of you know, California dream. And it just kind of reaches that ridiculous point. Um, But yeah, it's worth Mm -hmm. looking at Mark Woolen and Associates website because they did like, uh, they did trailers for like for everything. They also did True Grit the same year. They did Social Network and Black Swan. Mm. Um, And then since then, they've done stuff like Tree of Life and uh, Shame, Tinker Taylor. So just by, you know, um, uh, Side Effects, which I think is a really good trailer because it hides the the actual kind of twist in that film uh th- that's the mm-hmm. spring breakers mm-hmm. trailer that was everywhere um you know the only god forgives trailer that made it look like that film was going to be you know really really good mm-hmm. um <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. the girl with the dragon tattoo was their follow-up you know for david fincher um and then mm-hmm. kind of more recently they've done you know they've done stuff for uh you know for uh, uh i'm thinking while we young uh, was one of their trailers that i remember enjoying uh, even the Theory of Everything mm. trailer was really kind of good in, in letting you know what that film was going to be. And also, again, for Fincher, they did Gone Girl. And in recent in recent years, they've done, you know, stuff like uh, Room. Uh, and it looks like at least 
four of the um, Best Picture nominees this year were their trailers. Yeah, and they also did Moonlight, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, <laughs> Jackie Fences. So, like, they did a lot of, like, the previous nominations. They're breathing pretty rarefied air. Yeah, and also that Ingrid Goes West trailer was pretty good as well. Uh, in terms and and the, and that big the, the trailer for the big sick as well was like really good at like kind of um getting the the idea of what that film was going to be about and of course that disaster mm-hmm. artist trailer played i mean they played it everywhere over here <laughs> it was just constantly the you mm-hmm. know i i did not hit or i did not oh hi mark like that 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 whole trailer of like just that <laughs> scene the way they cut that also really kind of sold that like if you'd never seen the room it kind of sold what that film was about absolutely um yeah and and I mean, also most recently they did the uh, they did the the trailer for us, which if anyone has seen, kind of oh, takes geez. takes a song, I got five on it by Loonies, and just turns it into a <laughs> song that feels like it's about people killing you. And it's I don't know, it's, <laughs> they really like they really kind of turn that song into something else. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just like an you know, it's an iconic trailer, and I you know I. I I think everything about it, just the way the trailer is put together, the music they chose, like the shots they chose, the dialogue, they ch- everything about it kind of really made you want to see the film. Like mm-hmm. kind of, there have been months of literally people being like, what on earth is this film going to be? Yeah. And then you saw this trailer and you were instantly like, oh, oh that's what, what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not just going to be Mark Zuckerberg sitting at his desk for two hours coding. It's, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a completely different thing. Uh, so I feel like we said about as much as we can about this trailer. So uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Alex? Um, if you are a podcast listener and if you're listening to this, I suppose you are, uh, please feel free to check out some archival episodes of my podcast, The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. We are actually in a bit of a transition right now and handing off the format to some cohorts of ours. But for now, there's some really good stuff there going back as far as The Hateful Eight. It, um and we've hit some real winners in there, too, where we uh, sit down over brunch to discuss a then-recent movie and determine whether we like the movie or the brunch better. Uh, we cover a ton- we've covered pretty much every Marvel movie to come out in the last three years um, and just having a good time doing it. So please check it out wherever, wherever fine podcasts are available. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll plug something else next time you ask me. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute. Or you can find us on Twitter at social underscore minute. Or you can find us on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Uh, thanks for being my guest for this teaser episode. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you mean me. I thought you meant the, uh, the, the, the guest at home. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I'm thanking you. You thanking are very you, welcome. Alex, Thank you for, for appearing me. on this. <laughs> and otherwise, goodbye. Cool. In a matching to notice when I'm not here you're so freaking special I wish I was special but I'm a creep I'm a weirdo what the heck am I doing here I don't belong here whistle solo you happy whatever you want you're so motherfucking special waitress can I get the special but I'm a creep I'm a weirdo what the heck am I doing here I don't belong here
belong here.